Welcome back to another episode of State of the Art. I'm Gabe BC, your host. You can follow us at State of the Art on Instagram or Twitter or find me at Gabe BC on pretty much everything. How are you doing out there during the quarantine? Uh, it's still going on. I hope you're staying safe and are at home. I actually went to some Zoom theater last week, which was pretty exciting. Four one-act plays uh, on Zoom. It's interesting to see actors act through a uh, web-based platform. Um, just kind of see what works, what doesn't work, what you can do in terms of like new effects uh, with the Zoom interface. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to listen to last week's episode uh, with Yacht, it's really great. You should go back and take a listen to that one. Uh, but this week, we're going to have uh, another artist on. Uh, Lauren McCarthy is the artist on today's episode. Uh, she's an LA-based artist examining social relationships in the midst of surveillance, automation, and algorithmic living. So kind of the perfect artist to talk to today. She actually created a project called Lauren where she acts as an Amazon Alexa in your house, like a home automated device that uh, is there to help you and help you deal with your anxiety. We talk a little bit about anxiety on this uh, episode and what it's like to be followed by a stranger, uh, which is also another performance piece that she she worked on. And we talk about some current pieces that she hasn't actually finished yet. So it's a really great episode. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, we'll start it off right now. Lauren McCarthy, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. So how has the uh, quarantine been going for you so far? Uh, it is going all right. Um, yeah, it's going all right. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like your artwork in some way has uh, predicted the situation for us. And we're all trapped in our houses and you've made several pieces about controlling people in their houses. Yeah, it's funny. People have been asking me to write things and I'm like, oh, but I'm not a writer. And they're like, oh, just write about the work you did in the past and about how like it's all happening now. (laughs) (laughs) Do you find it hard to make work right now? I mean, I'm finding it almost impossible to create anything new. Yeah. I, well, it's funny. I've been so much of my work recently has been like watching video streams of people specifically in their homes. And now after so many zoom calls, I'm like the only thing I want to do is not watch (laughs) a video stream of someone in their home. So let's let's go back. Um, yeah. How did you get started making work in the first place? Oh man, um, are, any work? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, what was like the first artwork that you created? Oh, um, I think the first. I mean, the first thing that I really remember was in college. It was this pair of shoes that would basically like let me run away from a party really fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, and maybe there's some spread there of just like trying to escape these situations and then the first one that it was kind of like uh a little more developed was in grad school which is this happiness hat so it would detect if i was smiling and then if i stopped smiling it would stab me in the back of my head until i smiled again yeah um how did the the shoes work out uh they worked (laughs) i mean what did they do yeah oh um so they were like uh just like a pair of dress shoes that really easily could just kind of like collapse into running shoes and you could get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny that later you made a project about parties themselves, the 24 hour host um, yeah. and what's like to sort of host a party or the awkwardness sometimes of being at a cocktail party. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that piece? Yeah. Um, so it was this performance that was kind of born out of my nightmare of being stuck in a party that never ended and being the host. And for some reason, I have this urge a lot of times to just like turn my nightmares into 
art projects so I can like kind of live them out. Um, and so in this performance, it was a 24 hour party and, um, the guests were constantly cycling through. So every five minutes, a new one would arrive and one would leave. And I built some custom software that would basically analyze every guest and then, um, use, give me directions in the earpiece where it's kind of telling me what to say to each person and, uh, what to do and how to get them to interact. And I guess the, the idea was that over, well, what happened was over 24 hours, you know, the software kind of endlessly runs on, but, uh, the human interface to this AI kind of breaks down. And what kind of instructions were you giving people? Um, well, it would kind of analyze their data online. So it would pick out facts about them that might be relevant to you know, cross reference with other people there. And so a lot of it was like making introductions as a host would with these kind of relevant pieces of information that I wouldn't normally have. Um, and then also trying to um, make some guesses about like who might prefer to be in larger groups or smaller groups or um, what drink to serve them and that sort of thing. Were you always the host at this uh, party or at these parties? Um, I've done it twice. And the first time I was the host and the second time it was in Istanbul. And so, um, it was in Turkish and which I don't speak. Mm -hmm. And so I worked with a, um, performer to, um, perform it there in Istanbul. And what was it like being the host for 24 hours of this party? I mean, by the end of it, were you kind of done or, (laughs) I mean, versus being the guest, I guess, if you got to experience it on both ends. Yeah. Well, I think the guests have a much easier, you know, they were only there for maybe 20 to 30 minutes each. Um, yeah, it was really intense. Um, it, um, it was one of the harder things I've done as an art project, but I think a lot of times I'm doing projects where like, I don't totally know why I just feel driven to. And then, uh, like something that was really strange about it is over the entire time, I think almost between 200 and 300 people can go through it. And just having like seeing another face at the doorway every five minutes and having another interaction with them, like it just put my brain in this really weird, strange state where I couldn't say afterwards, like what exactly I took away from it. But I was just like, I feel like I've been changed by by that experience. (laughs) Does it make you like a better host? Is it some way therapeutic to you to conduct Mm. these uh, performances? Um, well, I was much happier at the next party I hosted, mostly because it just didn't involve like 300 strangers in 24 hours. So, right. uh, but yeah, I mean, in general, a lot of these projects are meant to, are there ways for me to kind of like take something that feels really anxiety provoking and all encompassing. And then like by turning it into an art project, I'm sort of, uh, asserting some kind of control over it or making it into a thing that I can then like put aside and walk away from a little bit. Was there like a particular worst hour during that 24 hours? <laughs> um, I don't know. I think somewhere in the in the middle or just before the halfway point, maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole thing was not, it wasn't like torture the whole way through. Um, it was actually pretty enjoyable. I think the things that were hard about it was just like my own anxiety that, you know, it was meant to stir up. Um, and then just like, physically and emotionally doing such a duration of performance but the the actual activity of being there was sort of interesting and enjoyable does it change the way you look at parties now when you go to them (laughs) you feel like you're at work or you feel like you're making you're in an artwork or something 
Yeah, I mean, I spent a lot of time before the project looking, <laughs> looking, going to parties, I guess, and um, trying to like look for the patterns and the kind of like struct organizational structures that I could potentially implement in software. And so now I can't really um, sort of unsee the the patternness or the rhythms of it. Do you see those patterns in the world and just in general when you're walking around? Like, are you always sort of training? I'm thinking about how stand up comedians are observing the world for things that are funny or absurd or, you know, social comments. Is, is that sort of how you approach the world too, as an artist who works with performance and how we deal with technology? Yeah, actually. But I think it's, I mean, I don't know if it's just because of the art. I feel like both the art and that my perspective are kind of shaped by just this feeling that, um, I don't know. I felt a lot for a long time that a lot of people have more of an intuitive sense of how to interact with people than I do. And so I constantly find myself like learning, like, okay, this is what you're supposed to say to that. And this is what you do then. Or like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, remember to like nod here or like say, oh, I see here. You know, so I've got these like kind of um, patterns and scripts in my head. And so then I think it comes out in my artwork where I'm just sort of obsessed with all these little scripts and programs that I've accumulated to to move through the world. Are you the kind of person who um, thinks back through interactions and is like critical of yourself? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I mean, I've tried to, um, I, I've tried to get better over the years of just being like, that is not a useful activity. Um, but I think it also comes out of just this feeling of like never feeling sure that I got the intuition right and like wanting to play it back and figure out if, you know, analyze it and use that for future data. Is that difficult with making an art project? Like, when do you know if it's correct or, or finished, even? Mm. Weirdly, I think with the art, it does feel more um, intuitive. I mean, maybe it's just art making in general. Like, you have to cultivate that sense and, like, put confidence in it, even if you don't have it, because otherwise, I don't know <laughs> how you get anywhere. Yeah. Um, Whereas, I don't know, maybe you can convince yourself if you're replaying interactions with people, there's some use to that, even though there's not. Right. <laughs> uh, whereas with art, you're like, nope, this is like, the budget is tiny, and so I can't spend infinite time making this decision. I have to decide. Um, so, yeah, I mean, with projects, I feel like there is a moment a lot of times where things click into place, and then it's actually really easy to say, like, no, I don't need to think about that anymore. That's clear. Yeah, I find that it's it seems funny, like people that tend to overanalyze things in their day to day life, don't do that with their art so much from the people that I've interviewed, like art is sort of an outlet mm-hmm. where they can just make decisions clearly. I don't know why that is. But it's That's interesting. Funny. Huh. Um, let's talk yeah. about Lauren, not you necessarily, <laughs> but your performance piece, um, which you take on the role of an Amazon Alexa for people in their own homes. Uh, so how did that process begin? Like, how do people participate in this? How did they sign up for it? Um, I made sort of a trailer video, um, to give people a sense of what this was or convey the idea. And then, um, and that was working with a collaborator of mine, David Leonard. We do a lot of videos together. And then we, or I made a website that basically, it was getlauren.com. <laughs> um, so it's just saying you can get Lauren instead of Alexa. Um, and people would just sign up through a web form. And then I picked some of them and just show, uh, well, you know, communicate with them, but then show up at their house and install a bunch of devices, uh, you know, switches and locks and lights and then appliances. And then I would, and cameras, I would remotely watch over them for a period of days, kind of 
24 hours a day, sleeping when they slept, um, and controlling their home for them. And they couldn't see you, though, obviously. just They would just inter- interface with you through voice? Yeah, exactly. And I made like a, a computer, a digital voice based on my own. Um, and that, so I would do uh, text-to-speech, trying to create this feeling that I was present, but not like just a person on the phone or in the room with them. And how many people participated in, in the Lauren Project in total? I think I did somewhere between uh, around 20 total. Wow. And how long was each in- installation? They kind of ranged. Um, the longest ones were a week in duration. Typically, it was more like three days. Um, I think in my dream scenario, it would be like a month or a year. But there are some kind of limitations to that in terms of resources. Um, yeah. And maybe what it asks of the participant. Um, but well, yeah, that seemed like enough time for people to kind of settle into it. And you would control their lighting in their rooms and what else? Uh, yeah, the lighting. Um, I, I would kind of work with them to customize the setup. So I could, in theory, control like door locks, um, any like powers appliance could be turned on and off, the music. Um, I'm speaking to them through voice so they could ask me any questions like you do with Alexa. Um, yeah, that that was most of it. Were there rules in place for them? I mean, did they try to form sort of a relationship with you that they wouldn't with a computer-based assistant? Um, the I mean, the only ground rule that I set ahead of time was that if they trying to give them some sense of control over it overall. So um, they were aware where all the cameras were and appliances. If they wanted to unplug something or turn a camera away, they could do that. If they wanted to say, like, Lauren, shut down, I would just, like, you know, pull the plug immediately. Um, none of them did that. Sometimes people would, like, cover a camera when they're changing or something like that. Um, but uh, that was the kind of only ground rule. And then we kind of developed from there. And every, inter- you know, I was responding to them. And one of the things that was really funny about it was that I think some people, like, sign up for it and hear, like, oh, it's a performance. And they're kind of expecting, like, a a show or something and then i set it all up and i leave and then i'm like there and it's like what do we do now <laughs> yeah, they are the show in that case right yeah or it's like the situation that we've been both embarked on together as strangers is the show um and so each, you know i would kind of respond and we both navigate that together was it awkward for them or for you to, to kind of be <laughs> with these people for that amount of time i think it was awkward for some of them um some of them less so. Uh, some people were very... It was interesting. Like some people, the cameras part would be the most affecting. Other people, that was, um, you know, didn't matter at all to them. And the fact that I could control things was more present for them. Um, but yeah, there was certainly always some awkwardness. Um, I feel like that that's true of every project that I do. Or just like me in general, like I'm always <laughs> with it. Um, it doesn't necessarily bother me so much, but, and so I would try to like work through it with them in a way that felt, um, you know, welcoming and, and comfortable, even if it wasn't, even if it was awkward too. Were there surprising moments that occurred, like things that you really stood out to you over some of these performances? Yeah. Um, I, w- one of the things that was really interesting was just the, 
the way the relationship that would develop and the way that um, they would kind of interact with me a lot of times, not quite as Alexa, but not quite as a human. So there might be times where, you know, they'd be working and just like every couple hours they might be like, oh, can you skip the song? Something very, you know, or turn on some tea, like, and so in the meantime, I'm like sitting there just like watching my computer, like I can't do anything else. Um, so in that case, they're treating me more like a machine, you know, not, not thinking like, oh, there's a person that's like watching. And then, a, you know, a few hours later, it might get into a very like emotional or intense conversation where they're, you know, trying to get relationship advice or talk about something really personal. And I would see them kind of like waver, you know, between moments of consciousness of those different like personalities they could engage with. Did they treat you more as a machine as the time went on or less as a machine? I'm just kind of curious if that's after a certain mm. point, they started commanding you to do things or like kind of let up that human uh, relationship a bit. It was different for every person. Mm. And it, sometimes it's even different. Like I did it for a couple and um, one of the people would just the entire time treat me only like machine. Like, mm. would not interact except to say like turn on the lights or whatever <laughs> and oh, then wow. the other person we would have like lots of longer conversations um i wonder if that so, says something about yeah. the relationship or <laughs> i don't know <laughs> yeah. um what what are the differences between the human smart assistant versus a machine uh, or versus like an alexa or google home mm. um well i mean the way that people felt about it was really different i noticed that they were much more forgiving like i was way less efficient than a machine but they were still seemed to enjoy my presence more i don't know if i would last <laughs> for if i did it for months but that was the feeling um i it also made me the experience made me really aware of some things that i would do that i was like like just greeting someone when they walked in and talking to them about whatever was happening or um telling them you know the latest news or something relevant to their lives, I guess. And realizing that, you know, Alexa could do that too, but they haven't necessarily rolled out those features. And maybe because it like crosses that boundary of what feels too personal or too smart for now. So it was weird because I went into the project very critical of all, all these tools. Um, and I still am, but at, while I was doing it, I also was like, wow, maybe I should become like an Alexa designer. Like, mm. <laughs> I have so many ideas now. <laughs> yeah, that's like perfect user testing for them in a way. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you have any smart devices in your home? Um, just my phone. Uh, Which I guess is watching you and reporting back yeah. all the time. <laughs> yes, that's enough. Um, yeah, I had a lot of them for when I was testing and, and working on the project. But the it just... You know, the more research I did and the more I understood about the privacy issues, it just made me not want to have them on. Did you ever have to stop yourself while you were acting as Lauren from doing something that, you know, felt too personal or too human? Um, I'm trying to think of a specific time or. Yeah. Uh, I think there were times where. well, I can think of two different things. One was like I was it was sort of a date situation uh, or uh, maybe it was. Yeah, date is a nice way to put it. <laughs> it's my home. Um, and I was, you know, there I the person asked me to kind of like DJ or just like guide the ambience of the situation. And 
there were moments where it felt, um, I definitely felt uncomfortable. And then I thought, you know, this is the, this is my job. I'll continue, I guess. Um, and then I'm thinking about another time where I we were actually doing it. I was doing it for this, um, 85 year old woman. And she, it was a really different scenario because she doesn't like go out a lot. And so this was like, she really embraced the presence and she, she totally got it. Like she got that as like a human pretending to be an AI, but she would just like interact with it. I don't know. She just kind of like imagined this entity for herself and it herself. And it didn't really matter if it was human or not. It was just like, this is my, um, you know, home companion. And it didn't feel like it was crossing a line, but it just showed me like how intimate personal these things can get. And, you know, it, it really made me think about how much, you know, it is really common to use these cameras or devices with um, like elderly parents or grandparents as a way to like offer some remote care and just brought up a lot of like questions around that for me. Yeah, I feel like so often we see AI depicted as this kind of like Terminator or evil stance in the world or manipulative stance, I guess. But do you think that there's positive use cases of AI in terms of companionship? Yeah, I do. I think, um, you know, just it, it, the the term AI is funny because that could just mean so many different things, of course. Um, and I don't, yeah, I think there are positive uses. Um, companionship as one of them. I mean, even while I'm critical of a, something like Alexa, like I also see the benefit of just like a hands-free device for a lot of people. Um, and yeah, I, I think it, it really comes down to just like how it's used and what situation and like what, I guess a big question for me is like, what is the data, the privacy that you're giving up for this or the decision-making? Um, and it, when it goes to the level of like a personality, like Alexa, what are the values that that thing um, is encoded with and where did they come from and do they, do they belong in your home? Right. And outside of the home, you did a performance called Follower um, in which you take the idea of a follower on social media and kind of take it into the real world by following participants for a day in their life. Um, how did this project come about and how does it work too? How do people sign up for it? Yeah, I think I started working on this when I just moved shortly after moving to New York and I was just really just trying to like navigate this public space, which is such a place in New York. Um, and so that was one, I guess the other was like a lot of these, you know, I talked about nightmares as like a source of inspiration. Another one is like kind of wishful daydreams. And one of them was like, I wish there was a way that I could kind of spend all day with a stranger without having to like figure out what to say to them. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so then I kind of came up with this idea and I was like, that's perfect. <laughs> so um, the way it works is it's, um, it's p positioned like as an app um, and, and as a performance. And so people can go to a website and sign up um, to be followed and they get this app that they download and they don't know when it will happen. But one morning they wake up and it notifies them, um, your followers now follow you. And then the phone starts broadcasting their GPS data to their follower who physically tracks that, like walks behind them all day long. Um, and at the end of the day, they get like one photo that was taken of them during that day. And so I was always the follower in the situation. Um, and 
yeah that i that was this is actually one of my favorite projects just because like i i never get sick of doing it and do you look up the participants ahead of time and do research on their life or do you kind of go into it as a blank slate just knowing their location uh i don't look them up yeah i just go into it um i might uh yeah no i i yeah I just go and find them. <laughs> Do people notice you usually when you're following them? Or have you gone a whole day without them ever noticing until they get the photo? It totally varies. Um, and and that's one thing that makes it hard to know like how, because I'm trying to like stay close enough that they might notice if they paid attention. So it doesn't feel like it's totally imaginary, but I'm trying to stay far enough back that they don't feel like every time it's like, where's Waldo, you know? Um but I never know how conscious they are of me. So it's hard to, to know that distances. I'm kind of just guessing. Um, but there's like, I can think of one case where I followed the person all day. I was like, so like right behind them um, or right next to them, like almost every moment. And then when they, I sent the photo, they sent me an email later that was like, I don't think you're really following me. You probably just showed up and took that photo and left. <laughs> I was so shocked. <laughs> how did it make you feel that they were distrusting your method here of following? Uh, well, I mean, every, it just made me realize every person's experience is really different. So then I did it with, um, another person, uh, in Luxembourg. And this person was like, actually, it was like a series of people over a week. And each person kind of just totally embraced me. They're like, today is my like art performance day. And they like planned out an elaborate, you know, series of places to go. And, um, and then they all, you know, I got to talk with some of them afterwards and it was like all really, they all felt very affected by it just because they they had committed so much to it, even if they never necessarily saw me. So one thing I like about this performance is it's like so much about what's happening in the head of the the participant. I'm really just this kind of like instigator. What do you want them to feel? Like, what do you think is going on in their heads? <laughs> um, I'm hoping it gives them like a, a just an altered awareness of... Um, I don't know their day, their daily life. I guess you know. For some people, I think they're they start reflecting on what it would look like to be to see them from the outside, whereas other people are maybe looking more at the world around them and thinking like kind of seeing it again. Um, but it, it's not so. It's not meant to be so lofty, you know. It's also just kind of weird. And I liked like another part of it is. Um, you know, people just having everyday interactions and wondering, like, should I tell my friend that I'm meeting that, like, I'm being followed? Is like, is that what the, you know, um, proper protocol around privacy for that? <laughs> Did anybody sort of like do a performance for you or, or kind of curate their day because they knew they were being yeah. followed? Yeah. Some people did. And it was really, uh, it felt really like special that they had done that. Um, and, or felt very intimate that we were having, like sometimes it would be like a really long walk together where we we're the only ones around really. Um, and other people, like, I don't think they were necessarily trying to like create an experience for me, but they were more like aware of how they might look. And, and I just had this feeling like, do you really do all this stuff every Sunday? This is like, you're <laughs> they a very, looked like really you know, good motivated for, person. Yeah. yeah. For that one day. A lot of working out, a lot of cleaning. <laughs> Were there any sort of awkward or um, unexpected interactions that happened while you're performing follower? Um, or any like confrontations that occurred? Yeah, I remember there's one woman where I noticed she started kind of trying to catch me. Like she noticed who I was and then she would, I'd see her kind of double back to try and like walk towards me. 
And so I didn't really have like a rule for what happens then, but I kind of intuitively would just try to get out of her way. Um, and then it almost became this thing where she was like trying to track me down. <laughs> you know, I'm following her. Um, and then at one point, like I turned around and then she had like done some move where she could like circle back and like walk right into me. And so then I were face to face and, um, I didn't really know what to do. So I just stared at her and then I don't think she had a plan either. So she just stared back at me. And then after like 30 seconds, we both just like walked away. And then oh, I just wow. <laughs> that's like a performance in itself right this... yeah i mean i could have said hi there's no like rule you can't talk to each other but i was just like stunned <laughs> so did you talk did. to anybody before like do you ever have conversations with the people you were following um no i mean so basically what i tried to do with that performance was to like only have it be that from start to finish so there wouldn't be like a debrief afterwards or something like that um but if sometimes people would reach out to me via email or um, text if I knew them or something and we would talk about it. Do you think it impacts the performance that you are the follower? Like I'm kind of thinking about what role gender might play in this piece. Like, do you think it would be different at all if it was like a man following people around a city or? Yes, totally. Um, yeah, I don't think it would work <laughs> very hmm. well. Um, I remember there's one headline that was written about it that was like, world's creepiest social network is just some woman following you around. <laughs> <laughs> like oh that's not scary at all that's right. just some woman <laughs> <laughs> just some woman following you around all day still kind of creepy though in a way i mean i know that's not your intention with the piece but just the fact that somebody's kind of watching you but i guess that's what's happening all day anyways right i mean even the fact that we are kind of encouraging our followings um i guess it's more of a curated following in that case but um yeah no there's definitely a creepiness factor to it um and it, there's a lot of, you know, it's not just gender, but it's like there's plenty of people that like are not looking for more reasons to be followed or to, um, you know, have eyes on them. Or maybe they feel this already so much just because of who they are, what they look like. So um, I, I was thinking a lot about all those kind of questions coming up around him. Yeah, and it's interesting that in both projects, it seems at least the last two that we've talked about, there's sort of a sense of voyeurism in both of them. And people submit themselves and their lives to be watched. And I'm, I'm wondering if you get certain types of people that want to participate in these projects or if you've noticed a certain type or if it really are like completely different types of people. Yeah. I mean, I think they're the type that are, <laughs> that want to be watched. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some people go into it unsure, but there's no one that's like really uncomfortable with it because I think they've sorted themselves out. Um, it was interesting when I would talk about the project, like the follower project to people, like just mention it. People would either say like, oh, I want to do that, but I want to be the follower or, oh, yeah, I want to be followed or oh, I want nothing to do with any of that. Hmm. But with with every person, it was like they knew instantly they didn't have to think about it. Wow. I don't know which one I would want to be, actually. I guess <laughs> well, I'd want to be followed. I guess I'd want to be followed. I think I'd probably do. I'd rather be followed than be the follower, I think, um, mostly because it just it seems like it would be stressful. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell us about your current project later date. This is a, a, a newer piece. Yeah. Um, well, this was just made like in, in reaction, I guess, to what's happening right now. Um, and it, it's just, uh, well, maybe I can just kind of read the intro and then. Yeah, um, that would be great. More. So it's a website. Um, and when you get there, it just says, I think one day we will be able to go outside again. Honestly, I'm fantasizing about this later date, seeing you, reaching out and touching, 
shared surfaces, breathing, talking, anything really. This is a performance in two parts. In the first, we will chat online. We will imagine together our first meeting, where we'll go, what we'll say, what we'll do. This future plan will be saved as a sort of script. One day, when we're allowed out again, you will receive a request to meet and we'll enact the script. That will be part two of the performance. So um, it, this was on the website and you could sign up for a chat slot. And so then I did this with about 20 different people. Mm. So now these plans or conversations are kind of archived in waiting until um, we can enact them. And then at that point, each person will get an email setting up a date to do it. And what sort of plans are people uh, hoping to enact? Oh, all kinds of things. Um, one person proposed like a giant shopping mall after the stores were closed. Hmm. Um, another person really, or actually a lot of people wanted to go to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you're going to have like a lot of beach trips coming <laughs> yeah, up in your life? You need a lot of sunscreen. Um, one person asked me to go to the dentist with them. Um, yeah, and uh, it, the conversations were really nice because they were kind of like weave in and out of like very specific details of like, what are you going to wear and what time will we show up? And then just like, you know, just a space to talk about what's happening and what we might be think, what we're thinking now and what we might be thinking and feeling then and when, when later might be or what that means. Do you see this as a, a service that you're offering people or is it, are you performing or are you like offering yourself and I, i'm wondering how much of yourself you give during these interactions hmm. well in terms of the performance i see it as like a two-person performance where we're doing it together um i think it's less of a service because i'm they're giving just as much as i am really i guess I, the difference is like i built i made a website <laughs> so we could do it um yeah and in terms of i i think with all my performances it's like it's not the kind of performance where I'm taking on some different character. It just, it's myself. Um, and so I try to bring that as much as possible. And so are you going to find an empty shopping mall to go to at night with this person? Yeah. Well, there's a specific one we planned on. So <laughs> why do you think people have these very specific plans? I mean, so do those plans, I'm kind of curious, do they evolve out of your conversation or does someone say, look, I've really been wanting to go to this shopping mall and, um, I think like you're the right person to go with me. <laughs> mm, sometimes I'm, well, usually I'll ask them if there's some place they've been wanting to go in their city. Um, and then sometimes they'll ask me that back and I have an answer. Um, or sometimes it's more like, oh, I'm kind of wishing for some place with an open space or some place where we could eat something really delicious or, and we kind of talk through it and brainstorm. So why do you think people want to connect so much these days? I mean, it's kind of an obvious question. <laughs> is that a but, real question? <laughs> yeah, but with like someone they don't know at all, I guess, you know? Yeah. I mean, we spend so uh, much time, like we're on video chat right now, and I've spent like five hours today on Zoom. And so yeah. what is there about connecting with a stranger that's so important right now? Are, are most of these people strangers? Yeah, yeah. Um, there was some mix, but I think more of them were people I didn't know. Um, why do they want to? I've never understood that because strangers terrify me. Mm -hmm. But I guess also I have some kind of weird fascination where I try to. Yeah, your whole your whole work yeah. is about connecting with strangers. So. Yeah. So I guess um, 
why do I do it? Um, I think, I don't know, there's something that feels, um, like, oh, sorry, I'm trying to <laughs> gather no, okay. my thought here. It's very like empowering or makes you feel like you're alive, or that's how I feel at least that, oh, I could just like go arrange to meet this random person and then not just like have a Tinder interaction or something, but like actually physically be with them in some space and do something. Um, and I think we tend to forget that a lot because there's so many people we know around us or more stuck in our homes or whatever. And so that possibility, um, I think there's something attractive about it, even though there's something scary about it for me too. Yeah. Uh, but I think like at this moment, the, one of the feelings about this project was just like, I've done all this stuff with video streams. I kind of said this earlier, but like, I just was craving anything that wasn't a stream that wasn't this kind of like real time, but not quite substitute. And so with this project, like the chat is very minimal you don't get any, like, so-and-so is typing feedback. You just, like, type and wait till the next thing comes. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't see them. And so then it will go from that to, like, a fully in-person, you know, full sensorial experience. Do you think that we're going to have to sort of train to go back to in-person communication? Like, I found myself <laughs> becoming very awkward now talking in person. I'm not usually that awkward in person, but I've spent most of my time online chatting with people now. And the other day I was out and I met a friend I hadn't seen in a while on the street and I felt I felt this like social anxiety that I hadn't had before. I'm kind of curious. Yeah. Like, do you think? I mean, as someone who deals with these sort of um, psychological <laughs> situations a lot, not that you're trained in psychology, but uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> do you think that we're going to have to kind of ease into it, or do you think we'll just go right back into the way we were? Um, well, I think the thing that's hardest, or that feels hardest for me right now, is like when I go outside, it feels like everyone's sort of a threat, or maybe I'm a threat to everyone, um, and so it feels uncertain how close you can get to someone and then people have different boundaries. And I guess that's always the case. Um, but it feels especially heightened now. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's going to be the hardest thing to navigate. Like if we just like snap back to like, Oh, the virus is totally non-existent. Then it could be easier, but this kind of like waiting out and saying like, Oh wait, no, you're too close. Get away from me a little bit. I feel like it's hard to do that while also trying to have a close personal interaction yeah. not just that there's space but to have this kind of like pushing away at the same time you're trying to pull someone close yeah that's interesting and i think your your newest project really addresses that too by forcing us to be together again uh, in person <laughs> yeah. um before we go we have a series of rapid fire questions for you um oh god okay <laughs> <laughs> to drive up your anxiety here um cool. so these are just like the first thing that pops into your mind um what is one hypothetical service you wish was invented that doesn't exist? Oh man. Um <laughs> I'm gonna say Q tip delivery. <laughs> <laughs> why why so specific? You don't like buying Q tips at the store? Because I'm always because I really love Q tips and I'm always buying out. And you said say the first thing that came to mind. So Yeah, that's good. Q tips kinda scare me. I don't know why. I'm always afraid of like accidentally puncturing my ears. No, it's really, I shouldn't use so many, but it's like one of my vices. How many Q-tips are you using? <laughs> like, um, not more than two a night. <laughs> okay, good. All right. That was my other rapid fire question. So um, how do you feel about followers online? Um, I, well, I guess um, when I was making follower, that was sort of the, 
question for me. So it feels very, it feels very meaningless in some way. Um, it's very hard to conceptualize. And whereas as soon as you know, there's one person physically following, like that's super clear. You understand what that means. Um, so I don't know. Nice, nice to have people to connect with, but I think the, the setup of follow, like that phrase follower and the whole kind of construct around it is really strange. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could play a game with one living or dead person, what would that game be and who would you play it with? Oh man. Um, uh, well, I guess I've always, um, one of my big inspirations is, um, touching Shay, um, who does a lot of durational performances. Yeah. So I think I'd like to have some kind of like durational contest. <laughs> <laughs> Not like duck hunt or something. <laughs> no. no, just something where we're just like doing something totally like nonsensical for an unreasonable amount of time. Like, yeah, you have to punch the punch <laughs> card clock every time you play the yeah. game together. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I guess the last one would be, um, what is your guilty pleasure food? Um, mushrooms. <laughs> all kinds <laughs> all right oh, that's great is there anything else that you want to talk about that we didn't have a chance to talk about yet um no i don't think so this is this is fun awesome yeah thanks lauren thanks so much for joining us and how do people find your work um you can go to my website lauren-mccarthy.com or follow me on whatever lauren lee mac all right awesome we'll post links to that too in the uh, description for this podcast all right well i hope you're safe and um we'll talk to you soon Thanks, Gabe. See ya. Thanks for listening to another episode of State of the Art. I'm Gabe BC. Uh, You can always follow me at Gabe BC. Uh, If you have any ideas or suggestions or comments you want to relay to us, you can send me an email at Gabe at thestateoftheart.org. We're happy to read some questions on the air or uh, communicate directly with you through social media at State of the Art on Twitter and Instagram. State of the Art is an at-art production originally created by Ethan Appleby. Uh, Wesson Stevens is our audio engineer extraordinaire and Vanessa Wilson is our producer. And I hope that they're all doing well and uh, I've been communicating with them a little bit and they seem like they're safe and healthy. And I hope our audience is also uh, doing well and staying indoors and being safe. So we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks.